welcome to the Dietitian Connection podcast, a show about nutrition, dietitians, and their success stories. This podcast, hosted by Kate Agnew and Marie Ferguson, will empower you to realize your professional dreams by giving you access to our global community of dietitians. Through our conversations with nutrition leaders, we'll educate you, inspire you, and help you create more impact as a dietitian. Welcome to today's Dietitian Connection podcast. My name is Marie Ferguson and I'm the founder and director of Dietitian Connection. Today it's my pleasure to have Cara Landau with me. Cara is the founder of Uplift Food. She's a dietitian that originally hails from Melbourne, Australia, but now calls New York home. And uh, I've known Cara for quite a few years now, and I'm really excited to talk to her today about her journey and all the exciting things that she's got happening at the moment. So welcome and thanks for joining us, Cara. Pleasure. Thanks for having me here. So let's go all the way back and um, talk about why you originally decided to become a dietitian. Sure. Uh, So I decided when I was probably around 16 years old that I wanted to be a dietitian. It, It stemmed from, I was very into sport. I was a netballer and I played almost seven times a week. Uh, and, and I was actually quite overweight and I realized that I could be a lot quicker on the court if I lost a little bit of weight. So I started eating healthy and I guess this like organic passion for for nutrition evolved and basically decided to study. I was always um, very into health and human development at school and as soon as I had to, you know, pick what course I wanted to go into, I remember when I saw nutrition and dietetics and it it sort of it wasn't even a conversation. I just knew that that was what I was going to do. So I probably thought I was going to be a sports dietitian, if I'm completely honest. Uh, but I guess as time went on, that is definitely not the route that I ended up going down. Uh, and I actually tried out a whole lot of different things uh, along the way. So yeah, that's how it all started. And for our US listeners, you might need to explain what netball is and perhaps for our Aussie <laughs> listeners, what, what position did you play? Uh, I was a goal attack. That's what I thought. So short little Cara was a goaler. Uh, And for the US listeners, it's, my God, I find this a very hard thing to explain. (laughs) But it's a game that's played in Commonwealth countries that is kind of like basketball, but you don't bounce the ball. And instead of five on five, it's seven on seven uh, and a few other differentiations. So there's no backboard when you shoot. (laughs) Yeah, very important, no backboard. Yeah. Yeah, I can see why you definitely wanted to go into dietetics as a career. So after you graduated, tell us a little bit about where you went from there. Uh, so I started I started looking at jobs and none of the jobs seemed attractive to me uh, and it was actually a struggle. I knew I didn't want to apply for any of the graduate positions, but I also knew that I needed to create a career for myself and, and earn some money. So uh, I ended up setting up a private practice in Ackland Street in Melbourne in St Kilda, so right where all the cake shops actually are, uh, and in and I housed myself inside the two medical practices that were that were on that street, and I built I, I built up a like a thriving little private practice uh, that I loved, but at the time I started to feel like I wanted to do something in a bit more. Uh, I, I guess the business side of me started to 
to, to grow. And uh, I had also been consulting to Nutrition Australia as a public health nutritionist, but helping them more with their corporate wellbeing uh, initiatives. And so it was from that that I actually launched the company, what some people might remember from a lifetime ago for me was called Corporate Nutrition Melbourne. And I ran a corporate wellness company around Australia where I recruited about 30 different dietitians to go on my behalf uh, into corporate workplaces and provide nutritional seminars and cooking demos and one-on-one consultations. And I also did those things myself as well. And it was throughout that process that I realized that I really was, I had this bit of a business brain going on. And I actually then went back to study my master's, which was in entrepreneurship and innovation. And it was following on from that, that I moved to New York. And then I basically, I like basically went into the next stage of my career where I became the traveling dietitian and I moved more into being a brand spokesperson, a product developer, uh, and a range of other things as a freelancer. And uh, that went on for quite a few years until I came to where I am today, founding Uplift Food. And how did Uplift Food come about? So in 2012, when I originally moved to New York, I was, I'd gone through a big breakup and I was feeling pretty stressed and I was already a dietitian. So I kind of knew some, there must be a way that nutrition can affect your mood, but I wasn't quite sure what it was. And so I decided I wanted to write a book on that topic. And in 2012, that is when I did all my original research on the connection between diet and mood. And it was at that point that I discovered this connection between our gut health and our mental health. And so I started sharing that message back then. And I guess that's what then led me into after having helped other companies with product development and being a spokesperson for other people's brands and always pushing this message about the connection between your gut health and your mental health, I guess I saw this big gap in the market for someone to actually create a brand that was focused around that. And that was what led me to then launch Uplift Food myself. You're certainly ahead of your time because it's it's a hot topic at the moment, but you you were onto it quite a number of years ago. Um, so, what is your vision then for Uplift Food? Uh, I mean, I my vision for Uplift Food is for it to be the leading prebiotic brand globally that helps consumers both understand and access prebiotic-rich snacking products. So, I my goal is to see uplift food, prebiotic-rich snacks in every airport across the globe. And, you know, when people, are, they can't pick what they want and they need to, they're on the go and they're running around, I want that option there for them. Uh, because ultimately my goal is to help people feel empowered and be their happier self. And as you can see from the messaging for Uplift, it's all around if you can support your gut, then you can ultimately support your mental health to be your happiest self. Can see it on the Qantas planes going back and forwards from Melbourne to New York as well. <laughs> I hope so. I really that that is definitely in my vision, and and I and I I plan to get there one day. I don't know how quickly it will happen, but uh, with a bit of persistence, I I do go in with the belief that anything is possible. And what about the name Uplift Food? Because it it definitely does 
you know, resonate with the, the mental health and, and mood? How did you come up with, with the name? Uh, it took a while. Uh, I, I can't really remember the other names that I was pondering with, but there, but there was more. Uh, I wanted something that was short and sharp. I knew I didn't want lots of syllables. Uh, I knew I wanted something that spoke to an emotion and had a positive connotation. And I also knew that I didn't want anything that sounded like a health claim. So I wanted it to be, to really feel like it could just be about happiness. Uh, I included the word food, obviously, uh, because I, I guess I wanted the option to expand between different food categories. I find that a lot of the time when people launch a product, they they kind of put themselves in a box because their branding is sometimes focused around the first product rather than giving themselves a platform to build a whole lot of different products. Mm-hmm. So I was careful not to pigeonhole myself from the get-go. Uh, and I guess I'm very happy that especially given, you know, I started with what I guess is technically a natural supplement. It's a powder, which I promote as an ingredient, but uh, some may call it a supplement. And I, you know, am, am then going to go on to produce snacking food products. So, you know, if I'd pigeonholed myself from the get-go with the powder, then I may not have been able to as easily shifted into other categories. Hmm. I think you definitely nailed the name, so well done. Thank you. (laughs) And to outsiders, Uplift Food, you know, may seem like an overnight success, but, you know, we met first in 2012 and I know the seeds were being set then, as you just explained earlier. How Can you tell us a little bit about those early years where I'm sure it was challenging and difficult and all of that? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's uh, nothing has happened overnight. Uh, it, it does feel like to the outside world because Uplift as a brand is, you know, I'm, I'm very humbled, has gotten the attention it's received. Uh, I've been plugging away for many years uh, and anyone who knows me knows that. Uh, I, I guess I was building my own personal brand at the time, promoting this message so that I was an expert in this field. Uh, and then it was probably back in 2000 17, I'd say. Uh, I was living, I, I moved out, I moved from New York back to Australia and I actually lived in Sydney for a year. And it was at that time that I really started to hone in on creating the formulation for the first product for the Daily Uplifter. And I started to go out and seek the you know, the packaging partners and the ingredient suppliers and the manufacturers and all of that. And so I guess it it, it took a while then, but in, in retrospect, you know, that being able to set it up in Australia where I actually felt it was just because of the difference in scale, I found it easier to at least bring the product to life. Um, it meant that then I could bring all those learnings and that knowledge to the US and then it, it was a bit more of a straightforward initiative considering how hard it is to crack into things here. So, mm-hmm. um yeah, it, it, I guess that shows you that, you know, from 2012 I wrote a book about this. In 2017 I started to put a bit of my feelers out to find a manufacturer and all of that. And then in 2018 uh, I launched originally in March in Australia and then a few months later I launched in the US as well. 
So you and I both share a love of America with me having lived there as well. What was your experience moving there? I mean, it does seem daunting and overwhelming, the scale of the US. Um, tell us a little bit about, about the move and how it's gone for you. Yeah, well, because I originally came as I came as a student, as an exchange student, and then I've gone sort of backwards and forwards. I've come on many different visas and spent a year at a time or then six months and then another year. I guess I've I've sort of felt my way in here. And so for me, the dietetic community particularly has been so welcoming to me here that I, you know, by going to events that the other media dietitians are involved in and getting to know them as a community, it's it's assisted me to not feel so scared. Uh, I find that wherever, I guess for me, and, and it's a sort of a belief I have, that wherever you go, as long as you know who you are and what you can bring to the table, then you can be confident in whichever room you step into, no matter how big or small it is. So uh, I, I have found America to be very welcoming to me. And, and so I, you know, I'm very happy about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it is big and, you know, like when you're trying to set up a new product or a new company, lots of people don't want to talk to you on, unless you're going to be placing massive orders um, or if you've got a past history, a track, you know, track history. So uh, it, it's definitely not like you just find Google online a manufacturer and, and they say, yeah, let's go. Um, it's, n- it's not even about if you have the money or not. It, they don't always want your business. <laughs> so um, it's it is about you know connecting the dots and persisting and and finding a way. But yeah, if you if you keep trying and you find the right people to support you, then then I, I feel like you can make things happen. And the Aussie accent usually helps as well. <laughs> they don't hate it. No. <laughs> <laughs> Have you found any similarities or differences in terms of dietetics in Australia and the US? Well, I've always, I mean, I've always shared this, that I feel that when it comes to even areas of gut health and FODMAPs and things like that, Australia has been significantly ahead. Uh, It's funny to me how a lot of the time when it comes to trends, people would say, oh, we should look to the U.S., Um, and I've even told my U.S. peers this, so I don't feel like I'm saying anything that I shouldn't, but... uh, I feel like a lot of the time people look to America to say what's happening next and then I really feel like when it comes to nutrition, Australia is ahead. Um, and so I would usually say that from a progressive perspective, uh, the you know the wellness industry in Australia as a whole and the nutrition industry is very progressive. So uh, in my mind, even something as simple as you know not focusing on kilojoules or calories and focusing on nutrient density, uh, I feel like messaging like that has been around for at least in my dietetic career quite a while in Australia and it was sort of that message wasn't there yet when I first came in 2012 here in America it has now penetrated through the dietetic community and the media but that was like one example of where I felt that Australia was actually ahead Mm -hmm. I tend to agree with you not that I'm biased either but I think yeah we're a small country but we do pack quite a punch so it's mm. great that you've seen that as well and you're certainly playing a role in that as well. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what are the most important things you've learned about setting up and running a food business? I'm sure there's lots and lots of things that you need to be across. <laughs> uh, I think I think what's important to share with people is that it's actually not all like fun, I put in quotation marks fun, because <laughs> I think a lot of the time to the outside world, 
you know, they think about the creative side and the product, maybe the product development or showcasing your product at an event or in the media. And and there is so much operations and finance and all the business side of it uh, that is an absolutely different set of skills. Uh, and so uh, I think that, you know, when you're thinking about setting up a company or running a company, you just need to be prepared for really what's involved with it because it's a business. You know, it's it's very different. It was very different for me going in as the dietitian freelancer to be the spokesperson or the consultant to help with product innovation than it is for me to be the CEO at the back end of of a of a startup in the food space. In terms of all those other skills that we might not have learned at uni as a dietitian, like have you tried to upskill and or, you know, relying on other people to assist you in those areas? Absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, I I definitely try to uh, not be the smartest person in any room. Uh, I like to everyone that I have recruited to have on my team uh, or, you know, who, who I have around me, they have years more experience than me in their particular niches. They have far more experience in the particular area, be it finance, be it operations, be it brand management, whatever it is. Uh, I I find that like you you do need to be across everything if you're the founder of the company or if you're going to be the CEO, especially if you're going to have investors, you need to be able to explain it. Uh, but by having people that have more knowledge and that believe in what you're doing I find that they then also want to they want to help you understand so they will they will support you to be able to then feel confident to share uh, the information that you learn from them. Yeah an example in Australia just recently I don't know if you saw it over there Cara but George Columbaros one of the um, high profile chefs in Australia um, was just in a bit of trouble with not paying staff correctly. And obviously at his level as CEO, he probably wasn't in the detail, but he's still responsible. So you have to be yeah. across all aspects of your business. Yeah. I I mean, I, I freak out every day that I'm going to get some letter from the IRS <laughs> yeah. to say that I haven't done something right with my taxes. Right. <laughs> I have accountants and I, do, and I really do think I've done everything right. But you just... There are, there are things that when you start, especially, I mean, for me, I've started a company in a country that I'm not from mm-hmm. and there is so many legal loopholes that you have to jump through. Uh, it, it is truly not the same as when I set up an ABN and started invoicing for my consulting services. This really has taken things to a, a new level uh, of me feeling like I don't know anything mm-hmm. uh, but I think that that humbleness in in you know sharing I know I don't know everything and people then I have really found that people want to help me understand so as I mentioned finance or accountants that specialize in working with startups they almost handhold me through things and the the learning curve that I have had uh, is just astronomical uh, and and I could not have learned that through any any sort of formal degree like Mm. what you learn on the go is just on a new scale and the learning never really stops does it you just learn something and then you realize you don't know something else 
<laughs> uh, my brain is is at a new level of fried. Uh, <laughs> it, <laughs> but but that comes with the territory. I was warned uh, as a solo founder by one of my investors. Uh, they said, Cara, if your brain isn't fried in the next six months or doesn't like your head doesn't blow off, um, we'll you know we'll be shocked Mm -hmm. and I didn't really know what they were talking about at the time (laughs) and now as I get deeper and deeper into into the business I really do understand what they're talking about but I guess that's where that that tenacity and that belief in what you're doing and having a true passion for what you're doing will help you push through that. And would you have one tip for budding dietitians who want to start a food business? one tip (laughs) Uh, find someone if you can find someone who balances out your strengths so having if you could have a co-founder that if if you're the creative having a co-founder who is more operationally focused uh, that's typically what you see um, or the other way around uh, I would I would recommend that if you could find that person in your life uh, to work with you on that And sometimes that can bring challenges too. You know, you see a lot of partnerships that don't work out. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's an interesting one because people do sometimes say to me, they're like, yeah, there's sort of a, there's the pro and con here, right? Like I don't end up wasting any time having to battle through which which direction to take the company because I make the decisions at the moment. But Mm -hmm. having said that, you also don't get to have another person who is equally as driven and passionate about a project who ultimately might have that knowledge that I am missing. And if I, I just if I could imagine how what it would be like to have someone who works as hard on my company as I do, uh, that I can only I can only imagine where Uplift Food would be able to be even now. Yeah. And you recently had some really exciting news with Mondelez International investing in Uplift Food. Can you tell us how that actually came to be? And that was exciting. It is exciting. Uh, I was, when I first uh, launched Uplift Food in Australia, a couple of weeks after it, I got invited into one of the top food accelerators in New York called Foodex. And so I basically jumped on a plane and was in the accelerator two days later. Uh, and it was through that accelerator that I, at the time, they were called, it was part of Mondelez International. They were actually the food, they were the innovation team. They weren't, they were not yet the new venture arm. And I was introduced to them through the accelerator and I was told to pitch to them. And at the time I was definitely not ready to pitch to anyone, but I knew that I wanted to create a functional snacking company. And I knew that Mondelez, the people who own Oreos or Belvita or all these other, you know, food and, and snack-like products, that they would be the perf- a perfect fit uh, to be able to support me to reach that goal of getting my product in every, you know, at, at every airport, <laughs> as I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. So, so I went in and I introduced myself to them and I shared with them my vision and, and they were all not, you know, there was about 15 people in the room and they were all nodding and smiling and I, it was just such a good energy between us. And, and I had met other multinationals over that over those few months and I hadn't had quite the same rapport developed that instantaneously mm-hmm. uh, and so I guess it was me trusting my gut there uh, and basically from that I I pushed the relationship you know I was I was warned they're very slow they're not likely you know they'll talk to you for ages but they're not likely to actually make a deal with you like I, 
there was so much negativity coming at me from, you know, or skepticism. Mm -hmm. And I just kept saying, I can, I can feel this, you know, I can just, I can, they seem like they really are interested. They responded to my calls, my emails, my text messages. Um, I really like, I pet, I pestered them (laughs) and, uh, and I ended up uh, creating an incubator for myself with them because they didn't actually have a formal structure to work with startups. And I suggested to them that I could come in and work with their R&D teams using my dietitian hat to help support them learn about new ingredients that could increase fibre, reduce sugar, all sorts of things. And in the same time, I would then sort of, you know, sort of create a little bit more of a solid partnership with them and go into, you know, by going into their labs, there'd be more face time with me. And, and so we, I actually got that over the line, uh, which was very exciting. And it was throughout then that then they launched Snack Futures. And then I went and I pitched to their chief growth officer up in Chicago. And that went very well. And I told them on the day, I said, I'd like to be your first investment. And I'd like to do this with you. And this is how we're going to do it. And, and it kind of happened after many months of very harsh due diligence with their legal team. Uh, But we got there. And and it's been, yeah, it's been a roller coaster, but an exciting one to say the least. I think that's such a great example of a win-win as well. Like you were really looking at it from their perspective, not just your own perspective. And I think that doesn't happen very often. Mm, yeah, yeah. They they definitely have expressed to me that that was my ability to see what they needed and how I could support them uh, was a very different approach to how other how other entrepreneurs or other people would usually approach them. Mm. And I guess a lot of the time, often, especially as a small company, people are ner- they're nervous that a big company is just going to steal their ideas. But I actually approached it like I, I, I said to them, I want us together to grow the prebiotic space. I'm happy for you to develop products that are in the same space as me you know, I want to take this part of the category, i.e. maybe premium or plant-based or organic or whatever was going to be my element. Uh, And, but I was like, but if you end up launching snack products that are focused on gut health, that's fantastic. We can educate together. And, you know, that's again, my dietitian health educator hat coming on, because if you, if you align yourself with someone of that scale, I believe that then you have more ability to touch so many more people's lives. And that was, you know, that was Cara Landau's ultimate goal mm. throughout all of this. I think that's another really good point in terms of growing the category, like, uh, you know, growing the snack and credit category, everyone in that category benefits. And if we translate yeah. that to dietitians, often I think we are competing with each other. And, you know, how would you see that working from a dietitian perspective? Yeah, I've, this is I've always felt very strongly about this uh, and when I was not doing what I'm currently doing and I was working more as a dietitian spokesperson or something else in that field, I always just felt that there was enough there was, there's enough to go around. I certainly think that especially if you can come up with your unique selling point, if you know what makes you different from everyone else, then there will be enough for you and there'll be enough for you to share what isn't that that doesn't align with you, there's enough for you to share with others. Uh, I think that, you know, right now there's such a, a rapid growth in the opportunities for dietitians and nutritionists because nutrition is such a hot topic that if people can just be a bit creative about how they're 
going to position themselves, then that fear of there not being enough work can subside. And what key characteristics and or personal attributes um, do you think you've got or do you think people need to have as a successful entrepreneur and how do you continue to sort of grow and develop? Are there any sort of key habits that you implement to keep you on the top of your game? Uh, I think persistence is is almost the number one trait. Uh, I think that I've been told that many times and I think it's true that, you know, the, the thing that no, if if you give no one knows how many times you fail behind the scenes or how many and fail I put in quotation marks because it could just be something that was pushing you to try something different, you know. But I think that it's about having that mental strength to just keep going and to find a way that is when then people see the outcome when it's a success, you know. So I was pushing for years and years and years behind the scenes and I remember when someone's, someone would say, well, I sent a few emails to apply for something and, you know, I didn't get any response. And I would say, if only you saw how many emails and calls and meetings that I had that went nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I remember when I went and got my laptop cleaned up and the, uh, out at, a, at somewhere in, in Melbourne and, and the person that was fixing my computer ended up saying uh, he when he came back the next day with the laptop, he was like, I've never seen this many emails um, <laughs> in someone's system. Like there was hundreds of thousands of That's of why I emails. blew up your computer. <laughs> Seriously. It was comical. And I just turned to my family and I said, I told you, I've been working. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if they don't believe me, <laughs> the proof was there. Yeah. And so I think that if people can be persistent, um, I think tenacity, I think having some self-belief, you can't look for others to, to, to it, it can't constantly come from external sources to tell you that this is going to work. You need to believe inside of yourself that what you're doing is going to work. Uh, and and I think within all of that, it's important that you stay humble because I, I find that if you go into any room, you know, there's a difference between confidence and arrogance. And I do think it's important to be confident. But I think that when that veers across to arrogance, other people don't want to help you. And if you can be humble, then amazing people will gravitate towards you. And together, you can you can really make some pretty cool things happen. So what's next for you, Cara, and for Uplift Food? Well, I am. I have been plugging away for the last eight months on product development uh, of a new snacking product, and uh, in about five weeks' time now, uh, I will be launching to the US retail market uh, a new gut health-focused cookie range, and uh, so from there the goal will be to get that taken up and put on shelves. Uh, and and simultaneously, I am looking into the option to manufacture and distribute that around Australia, hopefully next year as well. So um, that's my initial focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and within all that, I myself, uh, I'm currently acting as the media representative for the Global Prebiotic Association. So I'm also doing quite a bit of presenting around the place uh, in the US. So quite a bit of travel as well. Mm. No small feat in the next few months. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> and just to end with, um, what do you love about living in the US and perhaps miss about home in Australia? 
Uh, oh, so in the US, I definitely, I mean, I'm in New York, so it's a particularly unique environment of America. So uh, for me, I guess in New York, I absolutely love the people and, and the support of entrepreneurial endeavors uh, and the positive energy that you receive. So that is that has 100% always been my draw card here. When I leave, I really miss the, the minds of the people that I'm surrounded by. Uh, but I, I miss, you know, I, I miss home. I miss Australia is, is my home. Uh, I absolutely love being, you know, the, the warmer weather, the beaches, being near the water, the ocean to me is like meditation, uh, the amazing food quality and just in general the quality of life uh, and I guess, of course, my family uh, and my and my close friends that are, no lo- are on the other side of the world. That makes a difference. But I guess... I guess for me, I do fly backwards and forwards probably more than most. Uh, I probably make about three or four trips a year to and from Australia and I try to spend at least a month, if not two or three months over the Australian summer back back in Australia. So uh, I do I do try to lap it up as much as I can. Yeah, and that's a great thing is you can yeah. experience both. So that's... Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Cara. It's been wonderful to hear about your journey over the last few years and we wish you nothing but continued success for thank Uplift you. Food in the coming years and can't wait to see all of the new products that you'll launch in the near future. Thank you. appreciate the support. Thanks for listening, wherever in the world you're tuning in from. If you did enjoy this podcast episode, we would really appreciate if you could leave a review for us. Leaving a review actually means the podcast gets to more dietitians and it can only elevate our profession if we work together. So please hit that review button. Tell us and other people what you thought about this episode. Another way to share your learnings from this episode and keep the conversation going is to take a screenshot of your phone screen, add your message and share it on social media. Don't forget to tag us at Dietitian Connection so we can share it with our following of over 30,000. Tell us what you learned and what future topics you'd like us to cover. If you'd like to access the show notes, they are available at dietitianconnection.com forward slash podcasts. Dietitian Connection is a global community of over 13,000 dietitians and we offer free professional development, job opportunities, resources and connections. We're committed to bringing dietitians together so we can create more impact and elevate our profession. And you can easily become a Dietitian Connection member for free by signing up at dietitianconnection.com.